This podcast is part of the Michigan Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. Go to michigansportsandentertainment.com for more great podcasts. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Hey everyone, welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my co-host Mike. How you doing, Mike? Not too bad. How about you? Good. We've been having a good week here. We've we've added a lot of new podcasts to our podcast network. I was going to go through the list of names and I uh, I think I misplaced it. But we have uh, we have a lot of good people. We have Decomposition, How Will I Die. Uh, Nicholas was on with us last week. We've got, I believe, coming out tomorrow from when we're taping this, which is Tuesday. The Skeptical Skeptic will be on the Skeptical Skeptics program talking about the JFK assassination. So check that out. It should have come out yesterday if you're listening to us in the future, which you are because we're not broadcasting live. So check out the Skeptical Skeptics. We'll be on there. We'll be posting links to that and everything. But the news today. So one of the big pieces of news, Mike, is that James Gunn is back with Guardians of the Galaxy, something I know you care a lot about. No, actually, I mean, I'm not a fan of these types of movies, as we've mentioned a thousand times. Uh, pretty happy, though, because the fact that he was fired over, like, super old tweets that were just jokes to begin with was kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I kind of hoped he would just have been successful with, like, Suicide Squad 2 and then just refused to come back just to be a dick. But, I mean, you know, you, <laughs> you can only win so many battles. Well, there's conspiracy theories abounding about this, that this decision was made almost immediately, basically. It was sort of a... Oh, I'm sure it was, yeah, because why would you want anyone else to do those movies? Right. It was kind of like a knee-jerk reaction, I suppose, to let him go. And I, I heard that Kevin Feige, who is the one that runs all the Marvel stuff there at Disney, was pissed off and did not want him to be fired to begin with. And they basically sort of made a deal with him that, you know, we're going to wait a little bit of time until this dies down, and then we're going to announce that you're back. Uh, someone didn't tell Dave Batista though, because he's been raging against this for a long time, which I've loved, because like you, I'm... Yeah, good for him for being loyal. Yeah, and I and I hate when people are fired over stuff like this. It doesn't matter what the politics, you know, are, because and obviously this wasn't necessarily about politics, but, um, you know, I didn't like it with Roseanne, I didn't like it with... James Gunn, I don't like it when it happens at all because I just think it's ridiculous. But good for him. I guess he's going to finish the second Suicide Squad movie, which is a reboot, so it's going to be completely new. And then they're they're holding production on Guardians of the Galaxy 3 to allow him to finish the movie he's writing and directing now, and then he's going to go into Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So good for James Gunn. Uh, I think he's an interesting filmmaker, and he's a humorous guy. So I'm glad that he's uh, getting back in the swing of things. Speaking of Disney, there's a lot of Disney news today. Uh, Toy Story 4 just released a trailer. Did you, did you see it, Mike? Uh, yeah, it's basically like a, a commercial for a bunch of different toys put out by a toy company. Yeah, exactly. And they made a really good trilogy of movies. I mean, I, there are people that, that don't like it as much, but I, I I enjoy Toy Story 1, Toy Story 2, and Toy Story 3. 
And they closed it out. They closed the book on the trilogy in a pretty satisfying way for fans of the series. I don't understand. Well, I mean, I understand because it's money. But the just to come back for a fourth movie where it looks like you're rehashing pretty much all the plot points from your previous movies just to make money and sell toys. I mean, I know that's what they do, but I just, I'm not, I'm not super looking forward to this. Yeah. My, my kids aren't really into these movies, so I, I don't have to endure them. Um, but I mean, whatever, it's just uh, another piece of shit movie. That's just made to make money. <laughs> Oh, speaking of making money, today, as I said, we record on Tuesday. Just a little inside tip for all you guys. We record on Tuesday, and then we release it on Thursday, uh, Wednesday for you Patreons. On Patreon, all our, our good patrons get this early. So there's a tip for anyone that wants to throw us a buck. But today is the last day that 20th Century Fox will exist as a company. Because at 12.02 tomorrow, technically Wednesday, Disney will finalize their purchase of 20th Century Fox and bring over the uh, X-Men and the uh, Fantastic Four, uh, Deadpool, all those uh, aliens and stuff too. I guess they're going to keep the logo and use that in 20th Century Fox properties. Probably not the X Men and the uh, the Fantastic Fantastic Four. Four. Yeah. yeah, that actually would be interesting to see like a decent movie made out of the Fantastic Four. Absolutely, because <laughs> there has never been one. The best one was probably the Roger Corman movie, which was made purely to keep the rights to the Fantastic Four and never intended to be seen by the public. But copies of it got out on YouTube and and some other places. And Roger Corman, you know, low-budget filmmaker and everything, but he he knows how to stretch a budget, I'll tell you that much, and make a pretty entertaining film. And that's probably the best Fantastic Four movie I've seen. So, yeah, it'll be fun to see what Disney gets to do with that. Um, the, other, the other story I want to talk about is Movie Pass is coming back. Now, I know, I, I know you probably didn't follow this story very much, Mike, but... MoviePass had slashed their prices to $9.95 a month. And for that, you could see at least one movie a day unlimitedly, basically. You know, like every month you paid, you could could see 30 movies. Oh, wow, that's pretty nuts. And MoviePass was paying full price for the movie tickets. That's even uh, more nuts. They had not... They had not worked out any sort of discount or anything from the movie theater chains. So obviously a bunch of people signed up for it and they had enormous problems. They couldn't afford to buy tickets anymore. They were going under, going bankrupt. They ended up having to limit the amount of movies you saw. They they did a bunch of stuff and they still couldn't afford to keep up with this insane idea of theirs. So I don't see how they could even do that why why would you 
that's such a terrible idea. I don't I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things where it's like lose money until all of a sudden you're so big that you're profitable. I think that was sort of their business plan. I don't know. No, because uh, the more popular you are, the more money you lose. Yeah, I know. I think that I, I, I think that it was it's just a, it was a flawed business plan from the beginning. But what they're doing now is they're going back to they're they're back now and they they're re-releasing their unlimited pass. It's going to be I think it was it was $149. $600. <laughs> it was $149 for the year or 14.95 for the month. And I think they've they're they it's unrestricted so you can see any movie that you want to. It's still once a day, but they have some other restrictions in place and I think they've made some deals with movie theaters. Unfortunately for them, in the meantime, AMC came up with their own thing, which works, which is a lot better apparently from the reviews that I've heard. I don't have any of these movie passes, but in the in the movie pass one, you can only see movies in two D, and the the AMC one lets you see it in three D or IMAX or basically whatever format that you want. It does restrict you on you can only use it three times a week for you know for the month, so up to twelve times. But it's a much better put together plan and one that's obviously sustainable. And I don't know how many people are going to come back to Movie Pass, seeing as thousands, thousands of people, you know, went to the theater to go see this movie that they supposedly could see, and they were told that, oh no, we're not honoring this anymore. <laughs> and it was a real black eye to the company. So I don't know that they're going to be able to recover from that. Yeah, I I don't know. I'll tell you that it's it's a perfect capitalism story though, because AMC built a good business plan and did things smartly, and MoviePass did not, and they failed. So you know that's the market working the way it's supposed to work. I I I still can't comprehend why you would do it without making any deals in the first place. I don't I don't know. I I it was unfathomable to me but once they announced that they were doing this that they'd slashed because i think at first they were it was something like 20 some dollars or something like that and how they get you know the way they get away with it or the way they wanted to try to get away with it is by the rationale well you know everyone's not going to see a movie a day they might move they might use it two or three or four times a month tops and they were figuring you know this will cover that but what happened was is that thousands of people uh, subscribed when they slashed their prices from like twenty some dollars a month to nine ninety five, and at that price point they just couldn't they couldn't that wasn't sustainable. So it was just a, a horrible plan. But if you you're, could lose money going to the dollar show every day, yeah. I mean, if it's ten dollars a day, that that I, wow, yeah, that, I, I just can't cover. It was it was just very bad planning on their part. But we will move on to what we're watching uh, this Actually, week. Actually, uh, yeah. if oh, I may interject. Yeah. I do have uh, some sad news. Uh, this happened a few days ago and was very much underreported by the media. The uh, king of surf guitar, Dick Dale, passed away. Oh, I did see a little thing about that. Yeah. And while there have been many self-appointed kings, like the king of pop, the king of media, I don't think anyone would uh, question that Dick Dale was the greatest uh, surf guitar uh, innovator of all time. Absolutely. He was actually mentioned 
way back in the 60s, maybe early 70s, by Jimi Hendrix. There's a line in a third stone from the sun saying, you'll never hear uh, surf music again, which many people believe is a reference to Dick Dale, who had, um, I think he had prostate cancer at the time. Yeah. I, I could be wrong on that. But he remarkably recovered. And yeah, sadly, uh, the other day, uh, you might know him from um, songs such as Miserloo off the uh, Pulp Fiction uh, soundtrack, like the, one of the most perfect, like, you know, melding of film and music. Uh, he has a lot of great songs. If you really look into his catalog, if you like surf music, uh, he you you know who he is already. But yes, yeah, sadly, uh, Dick Dale has passed away. Yeah, that's uh, lost another one, which always sucks. But yeah, that Pulp Fiction—that's probably what he's most known for. You know, even people that don't know his name would absolutely recognize that Pulp Fiction, uh, you know, riff. And like you a, a said, true artist. He. He was still touring, you know. I, I my wife uh, was going to buy me tickets a few years ago. I, I didn't go. Obviously, I'm regretting that uh, in the past few days. But yeah, just a, a great artist. Uh, he was a. He actually moved here as a young man from Lebanon, and he basically uh, played surf music to try and recreate the sound of the waves when you were surfing. It's kind of funny because some people, like the Beach Boys, are pretty famous for actually not being surfers instead of being initially associated with the surf music genre. But yeah. Uh, Dick Dale uh, never was the uh, phony type, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So that is definitely sad news. But uh, on to happier news. What we're watching this week. Mike, have you been watching anything in particular this week? Hot Ones? Uh, yep, Hot Ones with Shaquille O'Neal is a great episode. A uh, half an hour long. Uh, some funny stuff. Uh, inter- interesting interview questions. You learn a lot about Shaquille O'Neal and that actually, like how he spent his first uh First big check uh, was pretty pretty astounding. Yeah, I, um, I watched that one too. I did not watch the second episode of American Gods, which I meant to, but I was going to watch it yesterday, but I fell asleep at 9 o'clock, so I didn't. The kids go to bed like 8.30, and I was out like a light. <laughs> um, not anything else I really watched out of the ordinary. A lot more Frankenstein's Lab, uh, some reaction videos. I actually saw the Avengers reaction video from them, so now I've seen the Avengers uh <laughs> Whatever, I don't know, part two, Thanos, I don't know, Lucky mm. Boogaloo, that one. In game, I think it's called. Yeah, I saw you watching, or I saw you live tweeting some of the Avenger or the the Avengers movie. It, oh yeah, I got a uh, pretty drunk over the weekend, and I, uh, I I remember I was telling you that I would watch it at one point. So I'm like, yeah, why not? <laughs> that was pretty entertaining to uh, to see that. You're not referring time. to the movie, obviously, because it was a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, anyone wants a good laugh. Go to uh, my or late underscore Mike on Twitter at, at like on at late underscore Mike and uh, see some of his live tweets. They uh, they are hilarious. But uh, let me at ask some you, point while drinking. I'll do this. The second part. There's still like an hour and a half left in this movie. How long is this thing? Oh, yeah. It's is a, it two and a half hours? It's, it's a, a long, long movie. movie. It is. I think it's about two ten. Yeah. <laughs> but uh too much is what I'd say. Let me ask you a question about the Shaquille O'Neal hot ones. Now, <clears throat> at the end, he did not eat the last wing, and he didn't get put on the the wall of shame. and And he made uh, he made the guy uh, eat that. Sean. Yeah, he made Sean eat, you know, that uh, shack sauce wing, which was a mixture of all the sauces. <clears throat> Do you, and in the comments, a bunch of people were saying, "Oh, it's classless, it's terrible, all that stuff." What did, what was your take on that? 
I thought it was fine. I don't understand. Did he think that adding all the sauces would make it hotter? It, it, it would be no hotter than the hottest sauce, which right. Sean easily, you know, ate. I mean, it was funny because his only comment was like, oh, it's just disgusting. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. obviously you have a lot of vinegary sauces and that kind of stuff. Um, but it was it was a really fun episode. I don't know why anyone would be that upset. Anyone who's at home trekking, who's on the uh, Hot Ones Hall of Fame and Hall of Shame, uh, I don't really think uh, you have much input that I would be interested in. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think anyone that knows Shaq and, I, you know, I, I I would agree that sometimes Shaq can be a little prickly, to say uh, to say the least. But like when he asked him the uh, Kobe Bryant question. <laughs> yeah. But anybody that anybody that has seen him or knows anything about him knows that he's into, like, pranks and practical jokes. They mentioned it in the episode. And I think... He thought he was just having some fun with Sean. I don't think he really meant any offense or like he was trying to. No, I don't think he did it. He seemed like a really fun, you know, guy. He was a really good guest on the show. Uh, speaking of the prank, it was rather disturbing. He mentioned that Charles Barkley never wears underwear. Yeah, I know. I can't. And so he just like put off. So he put all sorts of like weird like Vaseline and stuff on the inside of his pants or something. It was, it was very odd. Yeah, I can't unhear that now, too. So every time I see Charles Barkley uh, on the NBA or something like that, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to think about how he's not wearing underwear. Another thing that he actually confirmed was a long... There was this book I read a long time ago. It was called like Road Dogs or something like that. It was like anecdotes from stand-up comedians. One of the anecdotes was from Carlos Mencia, which, you know, at the time, I'm like, I don't know, is this true or not? Because, you know, he's he's obviously has a reputation for uh, kind of just making things up and stealing jokes and that sort of thing. Yep. But in it, uh, Carlos Mencia was at, I think it was the Laugh Factory. He was the comedy store, one of the bigger comedy clubs in L.A., one of them. And he was just, like, insulting Dr. Dre. And then Dr. Dre and his entourage were, like, actually, like, threatening physical violence. And then, according to the story, Shaq actually spoke up and said, you know, you know, you've been, you know, he basically stood up for him, and uh, Shaq verified that that was a true story, which I was surprised to hear. Yep, yeah, that was that was an interesting. It's a it's a very good episode. Anyone that doesn't watch Hot Ones or hasn't seen this episode should go to YouTube and check it out. It's a really good. Yeah, it's episode. a great introduction to the series too. I mean, it's I, I'm yet to see a bad episode because, as I said before, if you like the person, it's fun to see. The, he's he he asks amazing questions. Like his research is top notch. Absolutely, like you won't really see that kind of research. And since it's more of a relaxed environment and you can use profanity and stuff, I feel that's more of like an authentic interview than the average, you know, Jimmy Fallon or whatever the whatever oh, you're watching. God, yes. <laughs> but I mean, it's a, yeah, I mean at the same time. I mean, like if you don't like the guest, like I'm not a big fan of Seth Meyers. So I mean, it was fun watching him like being horrible, torturous pain the entire time. Speaking of bad interviewing shows, Seth Meyers. Yeah. Um, and it was just like just kind of entertaining, like ah, Seth Meyers, take that. Yeah, the thing is, like with the late night shows, every once in a while, and sometimes David Letterman would would even get into the. Oh, how you doing? How's your movie? Kind of thing where you could tell he was just taking a night off. But David oh, yeah. David Letterman was really the only one that asked provocative interviews, like interview questions that had provocative yeah. interviews. Where he, I would argue too that Conan O'Brien has a really, I really like his form of interview because he yeah. obviously puts a lot of like fun into it. And I mean, he allows people like Norm Macdonald to just like be like the ultimate interview guest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Conan's is a Conan's style is a little different. Um, and it's a little more like kind of wacky and fun and things like that. But Conan has good chemistry and good rapport with, with the people he talks to almost kind of like 
uh, Johnny Carson. Like Johnny Carson, yeah, he's a comedy writer. So I mean, I don't know. Was Johnny Carson a stand up at some point? I thought I heard he was. I'm not really sure of that. He was sort of a, I guess, kind of a stand up. He was. He used to. He started out as a game show host too. But I would. Yeah, con- that kind of makes sense. I would consider him more of like a vaudeville type performer. Like his his. Like, idol- a, like a Bob Hope. I mean, I guess Bob Hope is a stand up. Yeah, his idol was Jack Benny. So Jack Benny actually started out in vaudeville and then did his radio program and did his kind of variety type show. Sort of. I think, yeah, go ahead. I think you seamlessly tied that into something later in the show. Yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, but yeah, he um, so that that was kind of his his thing. And he so he, that was sort of how he ran his stuff. And I think Conan O'Brien has a little bit of that in him. But one of the good things about Johnny Carson and a good thing about Conan O'Brien is the ability to sort of create chemistry instantly with a lot of these people that, you know, I'm sure Conan O'Brien has relationships with certain celebrities, but I'm sure that there are some that come on to provoke, promote movies that he's never even met before. But, oh, yeah, that's obvious for sometimes. Yeah, but he's pretty good at creating chemistry with, with people even upon first meeting. I think that's part of what what he does so well. But yeah, the yeah. like the Fallons and the Seth Meyers and all those other the uh, like Jay Leno and stuff, they they were just not good interviewers. Not not intriguing, yeah. not funny. There's nothing uh spontaneous. Like I I feel that if he put Adolf Hitler in front of Jimmy Fallon, he would ask him questions about his dog. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. So I hear you got a big. I hear you got a German Shepherd here, huh? <laughs> so you used to paint, huh? Well, we're gonna play a game. <laughs> we're gonna play a game, Hitler. It's Pictionary. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I, I want to see this though. Actually, <laughs> yeah, someone should make that sketch. Oh, uh, we're gonna play this. Uh, we're gonna play a game. True Confessions. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that's just uh, Hitler's true confession. Oh, choose envelope number two. Okay, one time I killed over six million Jews. I did not invade the Sudetenland. <laughs> okay, what year was this? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what were you doing? I was yelling a lot. Oh. Uh, I was looking for Norm McDonald's. I wa- I wanted to <laughs> mesmerize him. With- yeah, I wanted to mesmerize him with my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Oh man. Well, so as Mike sort of alluded to, our main topic today is going to be a sketch comedy show. So for educating Mike, I wanted to find a sort of sketch comedy movie that we could talk about, and I found one. <laughs> one of the one of the worst ones I've ever seen in my life. It's called Movie 43. Have you ever heard of this one, Mike? I have not. So it's in what they call an anthology comedy, where it's basically just short skits all tied together with a very bad overarching story. But it stars a lot of... It stars a lot of celebrity. I mean... It's crazy the amount of people that they got in this. Elizabeth Banks, Kristen Bell, Holly Berry, Kate Bosworth, Gerard Butler, Josh Duhamel. Every one of them hilarious. Yeah, Anna Ferris, Richard Gears in here, Hugh Jackman, Johnny Knoxville, Justin Long, 
Seth uh, McFarland, Stephen Merchant, Chloe G- G- Grace Moretz, Chris Chris Pat or Chris Pratt, uh, Leah Schreiber is in it. Sean William Scott, Emma Stone, Jason Sudeikis, Uma Thurman, Naomi Watts, Kate Winslet. It's crazy the amount of people that they were able to get in this. Now, Peter uh, Farrelly, who just won an Oscar, by the way. He did? (laughs) Yeah, for Green Book, was one of the directors and one of the producers of this film. And this has got to be... Wait, wait. Farrelly? Yeah. Oh, I thought you said Farrelly. No. I, I was say, is that the guy who was dating or married to Jenny Garth at one point? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. P- Peter Farrelly. Fer- um, oh, okay. One of the Farrelly brothers. But anyway, so uh, Richard Roper called this the Citizen Kane of awful. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently it won three awards at the Golden Raspberry Awards, including Worst Picture absolutely deserved now there's like 17 stories i'm not gonna go through them all because it's just it would be tedious and not funny (laughs) but uh i'll give you i'll give you a few and kind of the the highlights of them but the first one is called the catch and it stars kate winslet and hugh jackman and Kate Winslet plays this girl that goes on a blind date with a guy named Davis, played by Hugh Jackman, who's the city's most eligible bachelor. They go to a restaurant. He takes off his scarf, revealing that he has a pair of testicles dangling from his neck. Uh, and that's the joke. And that's the entire joke. If it doesn't work for Rob Schneider and uh, Deuce Bigelow too, it won't work for Hugh Jackman. Exactly. Uh, the next one is called Homeschooled. This one was somewhat funny if you have a really sick sense of humor. But these two neighbors come over to have coffee with, you know, they just moved in and they come in to have coffee with their new neighbors named uh, Robert and Samantha and their teenage son. Now, Leah Schreiber plays the dad and Naomi Watts plays the mom. And they're, they've, they're saying how they homeschool their son, Kevin. And he's, he's a teenager now. And so they're asking about, oh, how, you know, is it hard for him to socialize and everything? And they basically say, you know, that we make we make it as authentic a homeschooling experience as possible where we try to simulate what real high school is like. And so then there's, like, clips of them, like, bullying him, <laughs> pushing him down, hazing him, like, all, all this kind of stuff that... Uh, you know, happens in quote unquote real high school. They throw parties where they don't invite him. They like kick him out of the house and he's just outside the window staring in at them, having a party like they're acting like teenagers. Um, Samantha, his mom, Naomi Watts, gives him his first kiss and his dad reveals that he has romantic feelings for him. All to simulate what real high school is like. Because, Mike, you remember all those times in high school when guys told you that they wanted to have sex with you. Yes. <laughs> so, the neighbors are obviously disturbed about this. But Kevin seems to be like a completely normal kid and everything. So, they think, oh, you know, maybe this is okay. The, the punctuation of the joke at the end 
is that he's going out on a date with his girlfriend and his girlfriend is a mop with a picture of his mom's face on it. So he's quite disturbed. So okay. yeah, not great. Not even good. The other one, the other one with Anna Ferris and Chris Pratt is Chris Pratt's going to propose to Anna Ferris. They were actually married, I believe, either engaged or married at the time that this he should have proposed they did a different movie <laughs> right but he's going to propose to her and she wants him to poop on her and that's the whole joke that uh you know he eats a bunch of food takes some laxatives eventually he gets hit by a car and uh shit rains down everywhere including covering her and she says it's the most beautiful thing in the world and accepts his marriage proposal Terrible, terrible. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. Was was there a blackmail involved? I, I don't understand why anyone would think this is a funny movie. I don't know, and I don't know why they. Uh, yeah, I don't know why any of them agreed to do this. I mean, from what you listed, I didn't hear many people who are like comedians or anything. But I mean, there's, I, I don't think any. I don't understand why you would think any of this is funny. It's, I just don't, I just don't get it. Let me find one with some uh, comedians. Let's see. It's hard. Uh, okay, the one with Johnny Knoxville. So, Johnny Knoxville and Gerard Butler and Sean William Scott. That's who's in this one. So, Pete, who's played by Johnny Knoxville, captures a, lepre- a leprechaun for his roommate, Sean William Scott, as a birthday present. The leprechaun is... Gerard Butler, basically his face superimposed on what looks like a garden gnome, almost. And they demand a pot of gold. The leprechaun swears a lot, threatens that his brother's coming. And they, when he, when uh, his brother gets there, they shoot Brian and Pete, but they ultimately kill both the leprechauns. And at the end of the segment, Pete reveals he's also caught a fairy who performs fellatio for gold coins. Okay. Yep. These are the premises that we got in this movie. I mean, I'm not even going to go through any of the other ones because it's terrible. But after hearing all that, I I decided that it would be fun to look up up some positive reviews. 10 out of 10 reviews on IMDb. And I found a pretty good one from Kill Me Sideways. <laughs> 10 out of 10. It was great. Obviously, this movie isn't for a 40-year-old. So it's still for us for a couple years, I guess. Obviously, it isn't for a child. And it obviously isn't for someone who thinks they're too good for silly humor. So I'm hearing a lot of people it's not for. There are some stupid shows on TV that make me want to shoot myself, and I can say that this movie was way better than that. So, it's better than wanting to shoot yourself. Yeah, it's better. Put on a poster. It's better than committing suicide. <laughs> I don't even see how that's silly humor. That's this is so far. This episode is very confusing to me in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's first just, of all, movie pass thing, which I don't understand. It's just gross, terrible humor. Here's another 10 out of 10. So funny. I laughed so hard I spotted. 
So, Ooh, that's not good. So apparently, <laughs> she laughed so hard, she almost had a miscarriage. Or maybe she did. Which is great. Uh, if you thought the drunk chick sneezing and shitting all over the bathtub uh, in Hall Pass was funny, if the Franken beans and there's something about Mary made you cringe, if Stifler drinking beer with spunk in it and American Pie made you gag, or Austin Powers' cup of nutty coffee made you quit drinking Joe, then this movie is definitely for you. A-list stars doing nasty stuff. Amazing how they got away with it. Amazing how anyone gave them any money to do this. I, 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 and I mean, they must have owed this person a favor. I, I, I really don't know why you would be in this movie on purpose if you could avoid. It's. I've seen it. It's horrible. Shooting yourself might be better. <laughs> it's one of the worst pieces of shit I've ever seen in my life. It sounds very bad. On the uh, parents' guide. <laughs> on IMTP. There's a special note under sex and nudity saying all things mentioned, including the sexual abuse, child abuse, bestiality, and incest are meant to be comedic. <laughs> it's just silly humor. You don't like silly humor? <laughs> right. The sexual abuse, child abuse, bestiality, and incest are meant to be Comedic. I, I love the sarcasm. Like the, the, it's like it's like the even the parents' guide is throwing shade at this movie. That's meant to be comedic. It's not, but it's <laughs> they're, meant they're, to be. They're explaining that it's supposed to be a comedy. <laughs> That's good. Oh god. <laughs> uh, an adult woman dresses as a sexy teenager, shown dancing in a near sexual manner. That's near Naomi. sexual. Yeah, that's Naomi Watts. <laughs> I think she's grinding, basically. It's nearly sexual, I guess. I guess that's fair. Oh, God. <laughs> no wonder why uh, Leif Schreiber went on to do Ray Donovan. It was a step up. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've heard good things about that show. It just sounds so. Profanity. About 55 F words. And it's derivatives. One mouthed. <laughs> <laughs> what? Are they a lip reader? Yes. <laughs> Even the deaf hate this movie. Frightening and intense scenes. Violence is shown, but is cartoony and meant to be and meant to be comical. This <laughs> <laughs> just changed the movie title to "Meant to Be Comical." Yeah. Graphic toilet humor is shown, discussed, and depicted throughout. With what could be sickening to audiences. <laughs> the whole movie. I want to put these quotes on the poster of the film. Could be Great. sickening to audiences. Meant to be comical. Oh, God. <laughs> the makers of this piece of shit. <laughs> and ah, fuck, why not? Oh, my God. So that is movie 43. Um... Our main topic, well, wait, wait, before we get into the main topic, we've got a couple things that we need to do. Uh, One, as I mentioned, we have a lot of new podcasts on the network. One of them is the Brew Crime Podcast, which, and I'm using my low podcaster voice now because I'm about to talk about a true crime podcast. (laughs) They, They drink a craft beer and they talk about a true crime story. And I 
from what I they they laugh along with it mostly. It's actually one of the true crime shows that I think is pretty good. So, here's a little ad from Brew Crime. This is Brew Crime, a craft beer and true crime podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Beck. And I'm Nina. And we're your hosts. We pair a true crime story with a craft beer. That Nina will probably hate. Yeah, probably. Whatever. You can find our show on all your favorite podcast apps, and if you can't find it, contact us, and we'll try and change that. We can be found at brewcrime.com, or on Twitter at brewcrime, on Facebook at brewcrime, or if you want to go to our group, it's group slash brewcrime on Facebook, or on Instagram at Pacific Beer Chat. Join us as we discuss the horrible crimes that surround us and try not to giggle. So that is the Brew Crime Podcast. We will we will link them below and go check them out. And then also, real quick, we have an interview. I know you've been loving these interviews, everybody. We have an interview with a, a very talented actor named Mike Provisano. So take it away, Mark. Well, welcome back, everybody. We've got another... Special guest here. I know you guys have been enjoying these interviews that we've been doing. Uh, we have with us a special guest, Mike Provenzano, who is an actor and a voice actor and a commercial actor. He is uh, from the world of business, kind of uh, up and coming in the acting world. How are you doing, Mike? Nice to uh, to talk to you. I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you. Now, I know that you started out uh, in the business world, uh, you know, early in your life, and you've been making the transition to acting. What inspired you to to start to pursue this? Well, it was something I wanted to do when I was younger, but I don't think I was even close to being prepared to, to, to try it. I don't think I had the... Um... Uh, what's the term? I, I just, I wasn't there, you know, mentally, I don't think I could have done it. Um, and you know, about five years ago or four years ago, I was working with a friend of mine in the uh, construction business and uh, long story short, he had, um, purchased a design firm. And one of the guys that came with the company is an acting instructor. So I was only there helping him out with a project. Um, and when I was leaving, the guy said, Hey, you should check out this this school and I remember saying are you blowing smoke up my ass and he goes no 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 for real um so I went and checked it out and uh went to an open call with about 60 people and the director at the end of the the open call said we're gonna invite four of you to our school and I'm like oh wow um and I was one of the four that got invited to the school so I did the I, I took the class I uh, got picked up by a um, an agent in the Philadelphia market literally as soon as I graduated the class and kind of started. So it was kind of, um, if he wouldn't have said something, I, I don't know that I'd be here today. Interesting. So uh, I, he'll get, uh, when you win an Oscar, I'm sure he'll get thanked in the acceptance <laughs> Absolutely. <speech>. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting? <laughs> Stop the music. Um, so I know that you've done a lot of commercial work. You've done some films. Uh, you're starting to do some voiceover work. Uh, of those, which which do you think is the most enjoyable to you? 
Um, I, I enjoy it all. I also do some, <coughs> excuse me, also do some modeling, and um, but um, I did a commercial last year for uh, Land Rover, um, their Land Rover Experience, and uh, they basically flew me down to North Carolina to their Experience Center. Uh, we stayed at the Biltmore and were basically off-road driving for two days. Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, really fun experience. Um, uh, it was a huge, um, you know, production, um, and it, it turned out really, really nice. Um, but I just, it was, you know, I had a blast with it. And, um, you know, so I, you know, for me, I enjoy, you know, doing each one of these. I, I really am humbled to the fact that and honored that people want to use me for a project. And I've kind of always have felt that way since day one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from my first short film that I was I was able to do um, when I first got into this to where I'm at now and, and trying to, to, to continue to grow my my craft and my resume. I've got a pretty decent resume for the short time I've been doing it. But, um, you know, I really I just enjoy helping others bring their concept to life. OK, so that was Mike Provisano. And now on to the main topic. We have been talking, or last last time before Captain Marvel interrupted it, we talked about Saturday Night Live. Now we are going to move on to another sketch comedy show. One I think is probably a better success rate than Saturday Night Live. Wouldn't you say so, oh, Mike? Yeah. Uh, it is the Canadian sketch comedy show. The Kids in the Hall, one of one of my favorites. For those of you that don't know, The Kids in the Hall uh, started in Canada. Lauren Michaels also had a hand in producing this show and sort of helping them into American audiences. Their show used to be on the CBC, and then CBS used to show it late at night. I know it was on Comedy Central at some point. It was also on HBO. Uh, one of the best uh, theme songs to a show that I've ever heard. I, I like it a lot anyway. It's uh, an in- instrumental calling or called uh, Having an Average Weekend by a Canadian band called Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. But I I like bass lines a lot, so I like this, this theme song a lot. <clears throat> um, Mike, what when did you first become aware of The Kids in the Hall? I think it was actually on the CBC. Like I caught like snippets of it, and it was just such a bizarre show. I just was compelled to keep watching. Yeah, I saw it on the CBC as well in the early '90s, and we kind of we kind of had an advantage here in Michigan because our local broadcast carried the CBC from uh, from or not Toronto from Windsor from Canada. And so we got the CBC in Michigan for most of my childhood. And I watched some shows on, on CBC growing up, and this was one that I happened to catch. One of, one of the things, I guess I'll reveal a little too much about myself, but if we're talking like 92, 93-ish, you know, I'm, I'm like 13, 14 years old around this time. So the standards and practices are different in Canada. And one of the reasons that I would turn on CBC sometimes is because sometimes after around 10 o'clock at night or so, they would show movies that had nudity in it. <laughs> yep, that's 
true. That's uh, and if you uh, you ever wondered whether or not uh, Canadian women had big hairy bushes, they do. <laughs> Absolutely, at least in the mid nineties, they did. Oh, but uh, so I would, uh, you know, I liked the CBC for several different reasons, but I happened to discover this show on it as well. And like you, Mike and I have similar senses of humor, I would say. Um, And I was just kind of fascinated by... I I didn't really grow up with Monty Python. That was a little before my time. And I guess that might be sort of the closest... The closest parallel that I can that I can give it's their their humor sensibility is different than Monty Python, but they do a lot of drag. They do a lot of surreal kind of stuff like Monty Python did. They just sort of have they and they have different senses of humor than the guys in, in Monty Python. But it just it, I guess it was the Monty Python for our generation. It was just hilarious. And they had a lot of good reoccurring stuff on there. Um, like the... Uh, and the... Yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say the, the 30 Helens Agree. That, that, yeah, was, that... that was one of the funny ones. I just wanted to say we should uh, for sure introduce who they were. They were uh, a oh, sketch yeah. comedy group out of Toronto with, uh, this is in no particular order, uh, Bruce McCullough. Scott Thompson, Mark McKinney, Dave Foley, and Kevin McDonald. Yep. Did you have a favorite of the of the performers? See, I kind of I kind of go between uh, Bruce, um, Kevin, and sometimes even Dave Foley. Um, Scott Thompson, I really like his Buddy Cole character, but I mean, he seems to be pretty generic beyond that. Mm-hmm. And Mark McKinney, I'm just I'm just not a big fan of. It. I mean, I don't mind. You, I don't think any of them are bad. Just my least favorite is how I describe. Yeah, they're they're all good for sure, and they all they're all funny in their own way. I don't know exactly how the writing is broken down. I know they all they all wrote for the sketch comedy troupe. They all contributed to, diff- to different sketches. As you get to know their humor, you can kind of see different ones that wrote did. Like you can really tell a Scott Thompson uh, sketch from a lot of the other ones. But uh, Bruce is probably my favorite. I like Kevin a lot, too. Da- I like Dave, but... It, like- I think Dave definitely has a lot of more surreal humor. Like, uh, for example, his one sketch where uh, he's a uh, defendant in a, uh, court, yes. a criminal case, yeah. and every juror is an ex-girlfriend of his. Yes. <laughs> just, what, just why? Yeah, that's that's a great sketch. Uh, they and do... the uh, girly drink drunk is another one of his that again is just completely surreal. Yeah, that one's that one's really good too. One of the other court ones that I like a lot is uh, Dave Foley plays the lawyer and Kevin McDonald is the defendant, and he says that he's on trial for cannibalism because and he's telling this harrowing story about how the you know he didn't know if he was going to live or die and everything it was around the time that the movie alive came out where the the rugby i think it was rugby team or soccer team crashed in the andy mountains yeah one of the two and uh the survivors had to eat the other the other survivors to live i actually saw that movie so i got what they were talking about when the sketch came out <laughs> And Dave Foley says, but sir, you weren't the survivor of a plane crash. You were the sole survivor of a 30-minute delay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of court sketches. I thought you were going to mention this other one where um, 
where a guy was on trial and he goes, how do you plead? And he goes, innocent. And so he's like, well, you're free to go. <laughs> yeah. and, so, and I can't remember, I can't remember if it was Bruce or uh, Dave who was the judge. I think it was Dave though. And he just like kept, a, you know, kept like just like ripping into the defender or the prosecutor for bringing all these innocent people up. He's like, did you even ask them? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What'd they say? Well, they said they were innocent. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, the, uh, and of course he has the, the friendly, polite or friendly axe murderer was another one of Dave's. Yep. Yeah. That was another one of Dave that, and like reoccurring characters where, you know, he, he would go, he'd ask people for favors. Like he'd be, he had, he, he would have just killed somebody cause he's covered in blood. He's got this ax, but he, he would come and ask for a favor. Like he would need, you know, to sharpen his ax or, you know, borrow some towels or something like that. And he makes this polite small talk with people. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then at the end, he'd always say, Oh, and don't tell anyone, you know, I was here or chop, chop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Paul Bellini. Speaking of the um, surreal type stuff, uh, Paul, the, all the Paul Bellini sketches were were pretty out there. Yeah, Paul Bellini was one of the writers for the show, and just basically he would just appear wearing only a towel. Yeah. At one point, they even had a touch Bellini contest where the winner would get to uh, touch Paul Bellini with a stick. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and that was. Uh... They did a lot of a lot of interesting and innovative stuff. One of the things that I think is is really interesting about this show is how innovative they were with their their comedy. Um, and they they would do they would do things that like no one else would do. They and the, obviously they took a lot more chances than a show like Saturday Night Live ever would. I think it was. You know, when you come from Canada or different foreign countries, I think that the people that I don't know, this is the this is the the impression that I get. I think that the people that run the studios are less concerned with with ratings so much or at least less concerned with turning people off. They kind of just take a, or at least they used to, just take a, the approach of, well, let's let's try this and see if it works. You know, maybe. I think since it's like the Canadian Broadcasting Company, they probably were able to take more risk as well. Because like you said, ratings probably weren't as important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's a big, I think that's a, a big factor in why they were able to kind of do the things that they did, that they did. And they, they got a pretty big cult following, I would say um based on 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 this show and obviously lots of them have worked we've talked before about how mark mckinney is in superstore now scott thompson i know does some stuff with comic books and and some other things uh dave foley has been pretty successful bruce mccullough does a lot of stuff behind the camera now and uh i was just i think it helps a lot too that they were all they all they were all writers slash performers whereas on like a show like snl sometimes we get people who are just good at performing but have no like sensibility of the material or no connection to it yep. i mean they're all very talented performers and presumably talented writers as well i mean plus like there's only five people and i'm sure there's other writers as well it's not just them but like there's such a small cast it almost forces them to be creative in a lot of ways i mean 
a lot of the sketches would just feature the cast members. I mean, you could, if you have more than five people, sure, you'll need another person. But even then, sometimes they would just have themselves playing different characters in the same sketch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I agree. And then that's part of why it reminds me of Monty Python a little bit. And I'm not a huge Monty Python fan. I think there, you know, there's some stuff that makes me kind of chuckle when I've seen it in reruns. But so, you know, if you're not a huge fan of Monty Python, don't, you know, and you haven't seen the kids in the hall yet, don't let that put that off to you. But it reminds me of that in that way where they all also wrote and performed their own sketches. And I think, like you said, I think it gives them a closeness to the material that really shines through that because they know you know, as the writers, they know exactly how they want it to play and what they're trying to do. And I think it, I think it makes a difference. I definitely, yeah, you can even, I'm not a fan of Monty Python myself. I I don't think I've really seen more than like one sketch and I've seen a couple of the movies, which didn't make me laugh one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like, uh, you could tell at certain points on kids in the hall that they probably just came up with a sketch like the day before, like the one where Bruce gives like an impassioned speech about, a. You know, how he's sorry for causing cancer. Yeah. I mean, they probably just did that, you know, right before then, where Dave gives a uh, commentary, you know, monologue about how comfortable he is with menstruation. Mm-hmm. Again, they didn't have an elaborate set or anything, but I mean, the characters, were, I mean, the, the people on the show are just great performers in general. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever seen, if you've, I don't know, I mean, I guess a certain age group wouldn't have, but there's a timeless comedy called News Radio with uh, Dave Foley, and he's just brilliant. He's great the entire, every episode, he's always hilarious. He has a perfect tone. Um, According to Joe Rogan on the Joe Rogan podcast, he said Dave actually would rewrite a lot of the sketches to help make them work. He's like the unknown or uncredited producer slash writer on the show. Okay. I mean, Dave is just, he's, I don't, I don't know why he's not like the biggest TV star ever. He's, he's just hilarious. He's, you know, funny. I mean, he's humorous. He's good at cracking jokes. <laughs> Other synonyms I mean, he, for funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's, I mean, he's, a, he's a great performer. He's, you know, he's a great writer. He's He has a podcast now, which I haven't caught yet, but uh, he was on the Joe Rogan show a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, promoting it. But I am a huge Dave Foley fan. I'll, I'll give anything he's in a try. Yep, I agree. And uh, like... Yeah, Dave definitely is one of the one of the ones that that I've followed his career, and I think he's probably been, I would say, the most successful, at least in front of the camera, of of the five of them. Uh, well, I mean, you might argue that Mark is now since he's on that, isn't he? Like the, well, I mean, I think Dave was the lead character on News Radio. He had to have been, yeah. But isn't Mark on that Superstore? And that's been on for a while, hasn't it? I think it's, it, I think I, they're going to season three or season four. Yeah. Okay, I guess not that. But I mean, it seems to be like more successful or higher rated than news radio because news radio was never a highly rated show. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I I loved it though. That's one that I would watch all the time. And Phil Hartman and and uh, Dave Foley on that show were just. I mean, it was it was the most brilliant pairing ever. Having those. Yeah, there's two. there's there's not a bad performer. I mean, Andy Dick is great on there as well. Yep. Mira, Mira Tierney, Tierney, I can't remember. Um, everyone on the show is just. Yep. Yeah. And of course, the uh, the perfect episode relating to this podcast is the one where uh, Dave Foley revealed himself to be a competitive knife thrower. Yes. Named the uh, <laughs> the Great Throw Dee. Yep. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that was if yeah if you haven't seen News Radio, check out old episodes of News Radio. 
absolutely hilarious show. Steven Root is great on it as well. He plays yep. uh, the boss, uh, eccentric billionaire J. Jonah Jameson. Yep. Wait, wait, is it? That's, that's not right. It's, it's very similar to Jonah Jameson. It's like Jimmy John or Jimmy yeah, Johns. I can't remember. Jimmy John Jameson, I think is what it is. There you, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's clearly a play on J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, do you? So now let's see. So this show lasted for five seasons. I, you can still find it out there, um, obviously. But what do you think is your favorite sketch? That is very difficult because there are so many just brilliant sketches. Mm-hmm. I mean, anytime uh, Scott Thompson plays Buddy Cole, it's hilarious. Yeah. And he even makes cameos at other sketches at certain points. Uh, one of my favorite ones was uh, where uh, it's, it's uh, I can't, I think it's Kevin McDonald's like giving an impassioned speech about, you know, he was trying to, like, these kids wanted to buy beer. I, I could have the, I may have the wrong actor. But he's like, he's going on and on about, like, oh, I don't know, I should do this because I, I, you know, I want them to think I'm cool, but I'm a more, and then in the background, you see Bruce has already bought them beer and he's just so nonchalant about it. Yep. I mean, there's just, I mean, one of the first ones I saw that I really loved was the, uh, the one where they're in the restaurant arguing over what movie they had seen the night before. Yes. <laughs> That's a, that's a, I mean those are a great pairing, Kevin McDonald and Dave Foley. I mean the different pairings of the actors are are just really different. It's it's I, I mean there's some sketches I'm not, I'm not I don't really I never really cared for the uh, the chicken lady sketch. Yeah, never was really my. Well, that's um, that's a Mark McKinney one too. So yeah, well I mean just that one in particular I didn't really care for. But I mean there were just like some like just completely brilliant like ridiculous sketches like he's hip, he's cool, he's 45. It's like about the cool dad again played mm-hmm. by Bruce McCullough. Yep. Like you mentioned earlier, 40 Helens agree was just, you know, 39 Helens agree that uh, punctuality is important. And then, and then the last one, the last one strolls in. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, it's a fat girl. That was, that was a favorite as well of mine. Mm-hmm. We just had like crazy facts. Like the one was that rocks can bleed. You just have to throw them hard enough and right. she throws it. Yeah. The, um, some of my favorite, like, uh, one of the ones that I didn't, really like that was another reoccurring one that uh seems to be popular is that head the head crusher one yeah i'm not a fan again that's a mark mckinney one uh, i mean there was i mean i maybe if i had seen that one time it would have been okay but i don't know if it was like their first popular type character or what but he was in there way more than i would yeah and and it, it did become a popular sketch and and i you know, and for those of you that don't know, basically it was a forced perspective gag where where Mark McKinney would sit. I think his name was Mr. Tislick or something like that. Something weird like that. But he would sit in a chair and he'd put his thumb and forefinger apart and, you know, get somebody's head in his crosshairs that was, you know, like 30 feet away or whatever. So it would look like he was crushing their heads. And... It just, I mean, you know, it was somewhat funny sometimes, but it just, it was one of those that didn't, it's like the chicken lady. And, you know, I don't mean to like, you know, crap all over Mark McKinney because I don't hate Mark McKinney. I think he's, he's a good performer and everything. Uh, but I just didn't really, I didn't really love it. Did, uh, did Mark McKinney play the cab driver? Oh, I think. He, or was that Scott Thompson? I thought it was Mark McKinney. I think it I is think. Mark. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And he also played the uh, the vampire in the subway, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. 
Yeah, so he definitely had some good sketches. Yeah, he he was he, he was just like those in particular. I would single out as not being my favorite. Um, another fun one, a reoccurring one, is a uh, Hecubus and a uh, Simon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or like a, it was almost like a precursor to a Goth Talk on SNL. I don't know if there's any like crossover because I think Mark McKinney was on SNL at the time. I don't know if he might have written that sketch or what, but it's not too different. I wouldn't say. Yeah. Whereas uh, Simon, I forget the name. Simon something or other is like the the darkest one, but he just like has like the the least like like evil things that he mentions. That it's just, you know just like underwhelming you with his evilness. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, another one that I, I'll never forget, and this was another Dave Foley one. They, uh, I'm trying. What was the word though? He's like, um, he he was using. He gets called in to work by his boss on. I think they're on a construction site, and he keeps using this word. Over. Well, I think I know what you're talking. I might know what you're talking about, but it might be a different performer actually. Is it when uh, when Bruce McCullough was playing like the he was he was like how old are you kid he's like yeah twenty eight no, no. He was was it compensation okay I thought you I thought you were talking about the compensation no I don't think it's that one I think it's he's he keeps using a word over and over again and the boss is basically like look people are really sick of you saying this word all the time and I can't remember what word it was uh, it's not that one then but he's you know he's like he's basically like you know people are threatening to quit because you keep saying it's like like preciposity or something like one of those uh, long words that uh you know people don't use in in normal life and actually i think it is bruce though i think it i think it is i can't remember if it was bruce or dave that played the uh the the guy that was doing it and he's like you can't you know you can't use it anymore he's like basically no no use of this word anymore. And he goes, okay. And he's like, well, I'm glad that we were able to get together and delineate this problem. And you just see him like look up and he's like, delineate, delineate. And he's like, I promise I'll never use uh, that other word ever again. But you can just tell that he's going to say delineate now at every <laughs> opportunity. Uh, so that one, like, that's one of the first ones that I saw. And I, and I you know, that's one that always kind of sticks into my, in my head too. Yeah, the first one I ever saw was the restaurant Citizen Kane sketch, or it could have been the one where uh, Bruce uh, it, Bruce's pin gets stolen. Oh yeah, and then the guy just goes on like kind of murder spree, like just doing every like god awful thing possible with a pin, you mm-hmm. know, and just Bruce like haplessly chasing after the guy. My pin, and the guy just like, oh yeah, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> or the two Geralds. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a good one too. One that I liked in small doses was Gavin, which was again played by Bruce McCullough. Yep. Um, I thought that was funny, and but I mean, I felt that they kind of used him. Yeah. Which I mean, I think Kids in the Hall was a show that did better. I mean, there were certain characters you did want to see again, like again, you know, Buddy Cole, and in my opinion, Simon and Hecubus. I really like that sketch. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them, it's like okay, I, I've seen a Chicken Lady. This joke really wears thin pretty quickly for me, at least. And I think Gavin was another one like that for. Me. Yeah, one of those, one that was like that for me was Cabbage Head, also played. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was maybe good about one time. Yeah, also played by Bruce. And, you know, it'd be funny every once in a while. Like you said, the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, you know, this is funny. But he would come up, they just come up way too often. 
Um, I thought the Cathy's were kind of funny. I mean, I don't think they were the greatest, but I mean, every I mean, it seemed like it did be hit or miss, but it wasn't like a definite hate sketch where they all played like women named Kathy working in an office. Yeah, a- AT and Love. <laughs> another another good, I, you know, I'm not, the more I think about this, the more I might think that Dave is probably my favorite cast member. Okay, because another great sketch he was. I, I mean, that's assuming he writes the sketches he stars in, which I just assume. I don't know. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. It was one where he's a uh, bank robber. Oh yes, and like uh, Kevin McDonald just walking, like checking off, like a, checking off a list, and then Dave Foley just like has this plan and the plan the plan is to shoot one of his own like people to like you know show how serious they were he just eventually just kills everybody including himself in the game <laughs> yep. is he the one that did the uh the the hitman who had hired been hired to kill himself I was just thinking of that one when you said that <laughs> I think <laughs> I've only heard you describe that one that one is is great because yeah the he <laughs> it's so funny like Part of why this is so humorous is how seriously they take the material. When you know when they're doing something like this, that's that's kind of a little more surreal and a little more out there. But they really they really hit the genre pretty well because they come into this warehouse and Scott Thompson is the one who's hiring him, and yeah, it's Dave Foley, <laughs> and he says, you know, I, I hear you're the best. And he goes, yeah, you know, I, I, I'll i get the job done and everything. And he's like, I want this man dead. And he just slides a picture across the table. And it's a picture of Dave Foley. <laughs> and it's like, it's so funny, too, because it's like in those, in those, um, what, what I find funny about it is you would think that one of the jokes would be it's just a picture of him, like, as he's sitting right now. But they don't do that. It's like in the movies where it's like a candid shot of him. Obviously, he doesn't know they're taking a picture of him, just like kind of on the street and stuff. So he went to the <laughs> he went to the trouble not to even just say it's you, but to hire a photographer <laughs> to take this guy's picture clandestinely. And so he hands it to him and he goes, that's going to be a tough job, you know. And he's like, can you get it done? And he goes, I'm going to need an extra 50000 or whatever. <laughs> so he gives him the money. And then he goes out and then it's basically just him fighting with himself. Like he puts a gun to his head and then grabs it with his other arm and he wrestles himself the whole time in this, in this warehouse uh, on like the 15th floor. And then at the, at the end of the sketch, he like kind of, he basically throws himself out the window and he lands and Scott Thompson's walking by right at the, that moment and he's like, you were supposed to wait. And then he just starts kicking him. And then police come and arrest him because, uh, you know, he's kicking this dead guy. But yeah, <laughs> it's a hilarious. And like you said, the performance is part of what makes it so good. Because the physical comedy of him fighting him, you know, against himself, mixed with the cerebral kind of surrealistic comedy. It's just, it's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, another a fun part is uh, uh, Day or Bruce McCullough would do different songs every so often. Yeah, like a, one was just about people named Dave that he knew. Uh, one was about terriers. Yep. Just I mean, they weren't good songs. I don't think they were meant to be, but they were you know f- just funny and you know just like clever wordplay and that sort. Of- and you know that goes back to the point that you were making about how part of the strength of this, and I mean it seems obvious, but part of the strength of this is how good of performers they were. And, and that's, you know, that, that's a big part of why they were so successful and why they were so good because they, they would be able to like, not a lot of sketch comedy shows 
would be able to just, you know, do a sketch where it's a guy singing, these are the Daves I know, I know, (laughs) these are the Daves I know, and just, like, walking from room to room, pointing out different Daves and Davids, or doing the song about Terriers, or, like, Dave Foley's thing, like, you were talking about the, the cancer stuff and everything, but Dave Foley's thing where... Where he just sits, he, and he's just, and like I said, th- it just points out what great performance they are. This is the whole set. It's the set, and it's clearly the set of the show, and you can kind of see the audience. And he sits on a stool and says, "An open letter to the guy that I, to the guy that I clotheslined on the bike." <laughs> and he starts off just reading about how sorry he is that uh, he clotheslined this guy as he as he rode by on his bicycle. And then towards the end, he's like, now that I'm thinking about it, we were on the sidewalk. Sidewalk. Why are you riding your bike? And then he like, just totally turns on the guy and basically says <laughs> that he deserved it. And it's the strength of that performance that makes that funny. I mean, obviously the writing as well, but if you, if you give that to a lesser performer, you know, they're not, because they have, there's no tools there. You know, you're just sitting on a stool talking to the audience. You have to be a really strong performer to make that work, especially in television. Yeah. I think another, that's another indication of each one kind of brought their own like sense of humor to the show. I mean, they weren't exactly alike, but there was enough overlap that they could just make like a completely absurd sketch with every, you know, performer in there. And it just was just ridiculous. Yeah, seems absolutely. like Mark McKinney almost had like a more like you know traditional sense of humor. Uh, you know, obviously uh, Dave Foley like bent towards the absurd. Uh, Scott Thompson also was a more traditional kind of humor type guy. I would think um, it's hard to pinpoint Kevin or uh, I think Kevin's the only one left. But yeah, it's, I mean, but it's just like you could tell they clearly seem to have like a different sense of humor, which was helpful. Yeah, the you know Scott, I think if you had to pinpoint Scott. He talked, I think, a lot about the Queen. <laughs> he had something for the Queen of England and uh, yeah, that's true. And homosexuality because he was, you know, an openly gay man and still is. Right. And there, there were a lot of there's there's one with a title I can't say, but he he sang this song called uh, Running F Word and, and Not That F Word. <laughs> The the other one. <laughs> did I did I ever tell you that uh, Alex and I went to go see them like maybe five years ago at this point? Like they did a live tour. Yeah, I think you mentioned something about it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that song was their closer, and it just was like, wow, it was just like the greatest thing ever. Yeah, and it's you know it's basically it's a a like a folk song about famous or like uh, you know a gay man throughout history <laughs> saving people yeah, think- and stuff. Yeah, I don't think Scott Thompson was the first openly gay like sketch performer. I think there was one on SNL. I can't remember his name though. Okay, would it be? Um, um, it's something with a J. Yeah, I think I know who it is. J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> get me pictures of Spider Man and and get me uh, Peter Parker's phone number. <laughs> but yeah, it was like I, I I can't remember his name. Sorry. Um, I mean, I like that they didn't really make it. I mean, it was just incidental. You know, that's like, it wasn't like, oh, look, I'm, it wasn't like the Ellen show right before it got canceled. It was like, oh, I'm going to the store, but I'm gay. It yeah. was like, oh, I'm going to the store and I'm gay, but it's not. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't, it, it, it informed his humor in certain ways because obviously, sure, he, obviously sure he has a different true. perspective, but it wasn't, it wasn't the basis for his humor, you know? Yeah, then. 
Well, that except for like a character like Buddy Cole, who was like the completely over the top, like you know, feminine type, mm-hmm. you know, almost like stereotype. He basically played a stereotypical gay character, but he just like it was just like he just like took it to the next level. Like his stories were just like absurd and you know, just ridiculous. But I mean, just like a fun character. I mean, like I said, the, one of the characters I always enjoy is Buddy. Yeah, and and it's it reminds me, and I don't know if this was the basis of it or not, but it reminds me a little bit of Truman Capote, or at least stories that people would tell about Truman Capote, where at parties he would always name drop and and you know kind of do stuff yeah. like that. Obviously, he doesn't do a, a Truman Capote impersonation, but sure. I would even say that probably the Stefan character that was on SNL during the news was definitely influenced in some way by Buddy. Yeah, I would. I definitely. I would agree with that for sure. I don't know if that's ever been like openly acknowledged, but you, it, it's it would be impossible. I mean, not impossible, but very difficult to say that that the person who wrote that character, which I think you said before, is John Maloney and or Bill Hader. Yeah, they, Mal- they Mal- must and- have seen Buddy. Yeah, there you go, Maloney. I, I agree, Maloney and Hader. Yeah, they they wrote that, and I don't know if they've ever talked about it or not, but yeah, I agree. They. It, that has to be at least part of the influence on it. I mean, they're they're different enough characters where I wouldn't call it stealing necessarily. Oh no, I mean you could say you could say it's an homage in a sense, but I mean yeah. the subject matter is even kind of you know similar. Yeah, because he would you know like Stefan's thing was all about going to like different clubs in New York, like gay clubs and stuff like that. And, um, so it's a little more focused, I guess. But uh, Buddy Cole. You know, he'd talk about clubs, he owned his own bar, and he would just, he would, go, he talked about the gay community and everything, and it was, yeah, they're very, very similar, because it's, they're both long rants about, uh, about those, those subjects. Yeah, like, almost like a raconteur's, like, take on a certain subject, and, uh, I don't know if this was intentional, but I always found it funny that, uh, Scott Thompson, more often than not, would play the straight man. Yes, yeah. Like comedically speaking, he probably was more often than not played the uh, the straight man than like you know the wacky character playing off of them, which of course is kind of a play on the you know straight slashes. But I mean, I don't know if it was intentional. It just was probably a coincidence. Yeah, and well, the thing too is that a lot of in he you know the if you hear the way that he talks normally, he you know I'm not I don't want to stereotype or anything, but he has more of an effeminate lilt to his voice. Uh, you know, just kind of naturally, but he does a really good, like, I'm, you know, I'm a businessman and kind of like, you know, like, uh, I'm the dad, you know, and when he does it, it's, it's funny to hear him do it because it's, it's like, it's like hearing a good impersonation of, of somebody. It's, it's funny to hear them, him do that. So I wonder if that's, uh, part of the reason why, you know, he was the straight man in a lot of, uh, a lot of sketches because he was just really good at making that character funny while also being, you know, doing, delivering the straight lines, almost like yeah. Leslie Nielsen type kind of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, I mean, that's a really good comparison. Actually, I could see him in a Leslie Nielsen type movie, you know, and he'd be great at that. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about this before uh, before the end of the show. One of the ones that I love is um, the uh, and this is another Bruce one where he uh, played a character that wanted to uh, get into fights all the time. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but I love that character. I like because uh, Bruce is on the shorter side in real life. He played that up in the character, and Kevin McDonald was his friend who would always like follow him around like. 
drinking on a Slurpee or something? Yeah. Yep. Another thing we we can't uh, we can't gloss over is the uh, the movie they made, Brain Candy. Yes. It was in 1995. It might have been after the series was officially done. I'm not sure. Do you know about that, Mark? I, I believe that, yes, I believe that it came out after the series was over. Because I remember I saw it in the theater, and I remember thinking, like, I really want to go see this movie. One, because I think it'll be good. But two, because I can get a Kids in the Hall fix because I can't watch it anymore because they took it off the air. Yeah, that would make sense. Uh, um. Go ahead. I was just going to say, but yeah, it, it is a, a brilliant film, uh, and that's one that's obviously even easier to find than the sketch uh, comedy show, but definitely go out and look for the sketch comedy show, because it is absolutely worth your time. But the movie yeah, you can is find clips on YouTube and you know all your streaming type sites. See, the movie, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm more of a fan of the show than the movie. No, oh, yeah, I mean, me the too. movie has a lot of cameos, you know, and connections to the show, obviously, but it is its own standalone type story. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I just don't. I like the absurdity of the show, or which it really isn't super present in the movie. I mean, there's definitely a lot of parts like that, but it's more like a like a straight up, like you know, with humorous elements type thing. Yeah, yeah. See, the the reason I like the movie, well, the, there's a lot in the movie that that I laugh at, and I, I, if you, if, oh, there's definitely funny parts. If you go and watch the movie after watching a modern comedy, you'll be. Like, I mean, this would be an absolute hit in today's day and age because I think comedy's sort of fallen in uh, in the dregs a little bit uh, when it comes to films. You can find good comedies, you know, if you're looking for them for sure. But a lot of the big comedies, they just, they're not my type of humor anymore. But I like the movie. I, I definitely like the movie a lot, but I agree with you. I like the show a lot more. And I think one of the things that hurts the movie is that it's it's one story. I'm, you know, I don't think they should. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think they should have done necessarily a you know movie forty three like uh, anthology film. See, I wouldn't have minded that from them, especially if they're able to just go full out with like you know budget and like you know they could swear all they want if they wanted nudity, they could have it in there. I right. would I would not be opposed to that. But yeah, I think and I think that's part of the problem with it is that it's it's a good idea. But it's just, it stretches a little too far in certain places. And I think that's part yeah, of the problem with it. There's great sequences, like the very opening uh, scene with uh, the yeah. rock star uh, Greedo, played by Bruce McCullough. Yes. It's hilarious. And if you look on YouTube, uh, the band Tool actually covered that song, and it's pretty funny. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you should check that out after this. It's it was it's pretty good. But yeah, they the story of the film is that they... Um, they create a powerful antidepressant called uh, Gleemanex. And they are so successful that they beat penicillin. <laughs> they sell... Yeah, they cure every incident of... De- everyone like, who takes it is instantly the happiest they've ever been all the time. Yep. And they so they, you know, obviously something like that would sell a lot if it, you know, it actually worked. And, um, yeah, so they, they're the number one selling drug in the country. Uh, and yeah, it's, I'm not, I don't really want to ruin any more from there, but it is, it's a very, it's a funny film. It's definitely worth your time, but. Yeah, which is funny. It's, it's really a dark take on it too, because I mean, they basically equate, you know, perfect happiness with just like, you know, misery. I mean, it's really yeah. interesting the perspective on it. 
Yeah. And, and there are like there's like hilarious performances, like there's big scenes that could almost be a sketch, like the part. I mean, they I guess in a sense you could say it's a loose group of sketches with like a central kind of theme. Yeah. The whole part where Scott Thompson like is watching the videos and takes his pill. He's like, Oh wait, you know, it's fine, I'm gay, that's perfectly okay. Yep. Yeah. That could definitely fit on the show as a sketch. Yeah, it, it they they do structure it a little bit that way, but yeah, I think I mean it's yeah, I think it, they probably would have done better with an anthology type thing with kind of an overarching story, which is sort of what the movie is, but the overarching story is, you know, a, a huge main. part of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen the the thing they did for a CBC a few years ago, Death Comes to Town or something? It's called something like that. No. I haven't seen it either. I, I tried to watch a little bit of the first episode. I couldn't really get into it too much, but I mean... It's you know I I should watch it at some point. Yeah, yeah I will I'll definitely look for it and check it out. But yeah, that is our show for tonight. Uh, like I said, like we both said, definitely check out the kids in the hall. It was a tremendous show, and you can still find it you know on, online on YouTube, different places. Yeah, name, name like five sketches people should look up. What do you think, Mark? Um, well, I would definitely, I think, okay, so let's try to, let's try to make it a little diverse, like different kinds of, um, kinds of humor. Definitely look up a uh, buddy Cole, you know, look up one yep. of those for sure. Um, from, I think the, uh, the, the, uh, what I, courtroom. I couldn't think of the word courtroom. I think the, <laughs> the the courtroom one that you were talking about with Dave Foley. I think definitely look that one up. Uh, let's, Is this? Are we collaborating? or Are we each giving five? What do you think? Yeah, let's collaborate. I, right. I, I want to try to get one for, for each person. Gotcha. I have one word for you: gazebo. Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely do that one. Another uh, good one with one of my favorites, Bruce McCullough, is the Cincinnati Kid. Yep, that's a good one too. So um, we need one more. Do you uh, the Mar- what about the Mark Cab Driver with the uh, the Toronto Blue Jays? That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one for for Mark McKinney. Yeah, so he's he plays the. I think if you just put in uh, Kids in the Hall Cab Driver, it should probably come up. But he's uh, I, I think he actually did promos for like the MTV mu- Movie or Music Awards with that character at one point. I could be wrong, but I think. He- yeah, I think you're right. Oh, and also do the um, the Hitman one. Look that look that one yeah, up. Yeah, because that that is definitely a, a a good one, and I think that will give you a good sense of the show. And if you want to see more, if you don't like any of that, then I guess go fuck yourself. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm sorry that you don't Delete like comedy. this episode. Right, but go uh, watch uh, chapter forty three or whatever the fuck it's called. You right. probably like that. It's silly. They should have. They should have. The studio should have filed for Chapter Eleven after that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, that is our show for today. As always, you can find us Massive Late Fee on Facebook, on Twitter, on Bandcamp for our audio commentaries. We're going to get to an, another audio commentary soon. I've been super busy with all the stuff that we're doing, but we're definitely doing another audio commentary soon. Uh, I got an email about our audio commentaries, Mike. I forgot to tell you. you did. I got an email. <laughs> I got I got an email that said, um, you know, why hasn't there been an audio commentary in a while? So 
Uh, really? Yeah. So we'll definitely. <laughs> I didn't think anybody was listening to those. <laughs> so we'll definitely get back to that pretty soon. Um, and uh, Patreon, if you want to throw us a buck, we always appreciate that. And uh, tell a friend. Tell a friend. Oh, and we don't say this enough. We really should. But rate and review on iTunes. That helps us a lot on iTunes. So if you want to throw us a review, you know, you can give us however many stars you think we deserve. Uh, I'm not going to beg for five-star reviews. So if you're waiting for that, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> but, uh, no. Yeah, pretty much the theme of the show is go fuck yourself. You know what we're doing. <laughs> But yeah, if you want to give a one star review, to, uh, whatever fucking show is called, you know, the yeah. one with the crime, <laughs> Brew Serial. Oh, oh go listen, no, go listen to Serial. <laughs> I would listen to Brew Crime. That sounds interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah, go listen to Serial if you don't like this. If you don't like what we're doing here, just get the fuck out of here and go. Uh, hey, go, go write a novel letter. How, how will that help? Yeah, exactly. Go, uh, go listen to Serial. <laughs> Write ad not a letter, and then be able to, uh, you know, say at the cocktail party with your friends, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I listened to Serial, and uh, you know, I was in contact with that. I, I tried to give Adnan a conjugal visit." <laughs> we all know that Mailchimp thing is racist, anyways. <laughs> Why would you support that? Exactly. So anyway, if you if you don't like us, go go find them. That's more what you're looking for. But if you like us, and go fuck up. Yeah, go listen to Brew Crime and, and listen to Decomposition and, and the Faves of Our Lives. That's another good one, too. Oh, and, and Bore Meets World. I've been, Bore Meets World's another one that's on our network that we just uh, signed recently. And they they go through the TV, the 90s TGIF t- TV show, uh, Boy Meets World. Mike, you should listen to them, too. Their humor is a lot like ours. I wish that we could guest on their show, but I feel like we would interrupt the chemistry between the two of them that are on the show yeah, uh, but they are they are hilarious they have a they're very dry sarcastic they're not like big either it's not like hey boy you know they're very sarcastic and like <laughs> slyly funny and it's a great show I've, i'm almost caught up to, uh from their- some people would say we're too sly for the audience <laughs> if they don't uh, get you. Right. you know who that boy is up against in that show the world that's right so you know i they got a bad review from someone named cherry bonbon <laughs> who's a, a you know some fucking loser out there trying to tear people down but uh besides that that you know good reviews all around and, and i recommend them so definitely check out Bore meets world and check out all our don't other forget uh, our, our friend nick's podcast whose uh title i will butcher very badly how i died today how will i die how will i die yeah how will i die question mark check skeptical him out. skeptics yep skeptical skeptics are the best and you know we'll we'll be on their show the coming up and we'll link them below. We'll link that episode below. I think I'll have time to do that. So definitely we check all just, that out. We just list podcast for like 30 minutes if we wanted to. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, at one point I'll, I'll go through the list of everyone that's what's on there and give some thoughts. Maybe we should do an episode just on the podcast on our network. Probably. Uh, but anyway, that is our show for today. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye myspace.com slash massive late fee.